This is the Yokel Idaho Midweek Report, where we give you guys a quick overview of the news in Idaho for last week. We'll be starting off with an update of the Boise hangar collapse, some updates about local developments for that, followed by some snow, fire, and power, and then we'll close out with some legislative developments. Lots of news to get to. Let's get straight into it. Starting off with the first one, I teased, as many of you will remember, late last month, a new hangar under construction near the Boise Airport collapsed, marking a tragic day for the Boise community, raising questions about the future of the airport's expansion plans. The collapse resulted in the loss of three lives and cast a shadow of uncertainty over the interconnected projects aimed to revamp the Boise Airport campus. The hangar, operated by Jackson Jet Center, was a significant piece of the long-range upgrade BOI project designed to enhance the airport's facilities and service. The collapse has prompted an Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, investigation to determine the cause, with early speculation pointing towards wind as a possible factor. The investigation's outcome could have implications for the airport's construction practice, safety protocols, and beyond. As the airport and Jackson Jet Center grapple with the immediate aftermath of the tragedy, the broad implications of the airport's expansion plans remain unclear. The existing hangar, also operated by Jackson Jet Center and located on the airport property, are slated for removal to make way for the new developments, including a new concourse and a second phase of new rental car parking garage. However, the collapse has raised questions about how these plans will proceed and what changes might be necessary to ensure the safety and viability of the future construction projects. The focus for many still remains on the victims, their families, and the employees affected by the collapse. Jackson's Jet Center CEO, Jeff Jackson, has stated that the company's priority continues to be supporting those impacted as the community and aviation industry await the results of the OSHA investigation. The incident serves as a stark reminder of the importance of construction safety and the potential consequences of unforeseen challenges in large-scale development projects. Speaking of things kind of hitting a little bit of an issue, plans to transform Boise Armory hit a snag. This comes by the Boise Dev by Margaret Carmel. The vision to transform the historic armory in Boise's East End has encountered a significant setback. The ambitious proposal by Utah-based Alpha Development, Ball Ventures, and Urban Communities, which surfaced in the summer of 2021, aimed to develop the parking lot adjacent to the iconic building into a mixed-use space featuring apartments, townhomes, and commercial areas. While the armory itself was to remain untouched in its initial phase, the future held potential for further development. Despite the nearly unanimous support from the Boise City Council a year ago, the project faced opposition from local residents concerned about the increased traffic, building's height, and the potential impact on the historic nature of the site. Now, internal emails from developers obtained by the Boise Dev reveal that the partnership behind the project has dissolved and the armory is set to return to the market. Alpha Development Group co-founder Dustin Halt expressed disappointment in an email, citing market conditions and disagreements with the equity partner as reasons for the dissolution. The unnamed equity owner, now in the possession of the armory, is reportedly planning to sell the property, although their identity and future intentions for the site remain unclear. The armory listed on the National Historic Registry is not protected from demolition by the City Council of Boise or any historic district designation. However, a 2012 development agreement has shielded it from being torn down or redeveloped for car-centric purposes, with the project in name in limbo and property still owned by 801 Reserve Owner LLC. 
The future of the Boise landmark is uncertain, leaving many to wonder what will become of the storied armory. And moving to another Boise business, we have Wilkes Brothers' $150 million sale of Idaho Timberlands. This comes from the Boise Dev by Don Day. The Wilkes Brothers, known for their extensive land holdings, are looking to divest a significant portion of their Idaho property portfolio, valued at $150 million. The land, spanning across Valley, Adams, and Boise counties, encompasses more than 94 square miles of primarily timber-covered terrain. These parcels have changed hands several times since originally being owned by Boise Cascade, with the Wilkes Brothers acquisitions beginning in 2017 through their holding company, DF Development. DF Development, which had previously closed access to some of its lands, now promotes the area for recreational activities such as motorsports, hunting, fishing, and hiking. The company's decision to sell comes after years of gradually reducing its footprint in Idaho, as reported by Boise Dev. The properties on offer boast not only timber, but also developmental potential, with the sales flyer describing the land as a blank canvas, with stunning views of mountains, lakes, and towns. The parcels for sale include notable areas such as the Smoky Boulder region in Adams County, the Middle Fork parcels, and large tracts surrounding Smith's Ferry in Valley County. The offering features a network of over 65 miles of rivers and streams, including parts of the North Fork of the Payette River. This sale ranks as the fourth largest active land sale by dollar value, according to Land Report magazine. The Wilkes Brothers, who amassed a $3.5 billion fortune from their fracking business and are considered the nation's 12th largest landowners by Forbes, are now presenting an opportunity for new ownership of these vast Idaho lands. The sale highlights the potential for development and recreational use, setting the stage for significant changes in the landscape of south-central Idaho. And speaking of major changes, major upgrade comes to the I-84 Karcher Interchange in Nampa. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. Nampa residents and commuters gearing up for a significant transformation as the construction on I-84 Karcher Interchange kicks off this Monday, February 19th. The Idaho Department of Transportation, ITD, has announced a comprehensive project aimed to enhance safety and mobility with an expected completion in the fall of 2025. As the city braces for change, it will definitely have some different changes to the daily travel and long-term benefits of the community. To minimize the daytime traffic disruption, ITD has planned a major construction activities between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. at night, maintaining at least one open lane in each direction. However, be prepared for overnight highway closures that will be certain for certain phases of the construction. While businesses will remain accessible, drivers will need to adhere to reduce speed limits in the area. The project's enhancements are substantial, including reconfiguration of off-ramps for improved traffic flow and safety, a widened interchange bridge for westbound off-ramp traffic, and signal adjustments at key intersections. Additionally, a third westbound lane and dedicated right turn lane will be added at the intersection of Karcher Road and Caldwell Boulevard. Pedestrians can look forward to wider sidewalks within the project's limits, and a portion of Karcher Road will be repaved. For those concerned about the impact on their daily commute, the traffic separator on Karcher Road near Sundance Road will be extended to Cassia Street, restricting left-hand turns to address safety with the roads widening. To stay informed and prepare by reading more about the project and signing up for construction alerts by texting 84-CORRIDOR to 
483-8422. If you're enjoying the Midweek Report, do us a favor and hit the like button on YouTube, Rumble, or Twitter. It helps us reach more folks who love Idaho just like you. And speaking of things happening over in Canyon County, Canyon County introduces innovative data tab for property owners. This comes by the Boise Dev by Sydney Kidd. Canyon County property owners can now have a powerful new tool at their disposal to gain insights into their property values and tax history. The county's website has launched a data hub allowing users to easily access property assessments and annual taxes for the past five years. By simply entering an address or parcel number, residents can view a series of graphs and charts that clearly display the data, providing a transparent look at property tax information. Canyon County Assessor Brian Stetter explained that the goal of the new data hub is to create a user-friendly platform where property owners can independently look up their annual property data. This tool presents the data and details how tax dollars are allocated across various tax districts, offering a deeper understanding of tax expenditures. The Data Hub, a collaborative effort between Canyon County Accessor and the Treasurer's Office, is a free service that shows trends in property values and taxes collected over time. It also provides a breakdown of different taxing districts, such as mosquito abatement, fire departments, and city, and the amount of tax each district collects from property owners. The 2023 property tax report is available on the Hub, including information on school saving components of property tax relief from House Bill 292, passed by the Idaho legislature last year. However, it does not yet reflect the property tax credits from the homeowner's tax relief and additional tax relief provisions of House Bill 292. The tax amounts shown are gross amounts, including school savings, and do not account for the state's reimbursement credits. Speaking about fire departments and local things, Pocatello Fire Department proactively strikes against wildfires. As the dry season approaches, Pocatello Fire Department is taking proactive measures to protect the community. In a strategic move, firefighters conducting a controlled burn on the city's east bench, a practice designed to reduce the risks of unmanageable fires. The operation covered by EastIdahoNews.com was not just a preventative step, but also served as a hands-on training exercise for the fire crew. The controlled burn was the result of planning stemming from a grant awarded by the State Department of Land Western Fire Management. This grant, secured three years prior, enabled the city to target high-risk areas for fuel reduction. Kim Staus, the department spokeswoman, emphasized the importance of these burns in giving fighter fires the upper hand in protecting homes and neighborhoods from potential wildfires. Eleven dedicated firefighters managed the flames on the day of the burn, strategically working with one structure fire truck and two brush fire trucks. The team, many on overtime to ensure full staff at all stations, remained vigilant until all hotspots were extinguished. Residents were advised of possible smoke sightings post-operation and reminded to call 911 if the flames re-emerged. The control burns cleared out the remaining wildfire fields and provided invaluable experience for the firefighters, particularly the rookies. The city of Pocotelo is already looking ahead, aiming to secure another grant for future burns in the Johnny Creek area, continuing to commit to fire safety and preparedness. And moving from fire to water, Idaho's Central Aquatic Center makes a splash amid financial concerns. This comes from the Boise Dev by Margaret Carmel. The Idaho Central Aquatic Center in Treasure Valley is a new hub for swimmers that's making waves for its high costs as much as its high dives. The Aquatic Center, a collaboration between Idaho Competitive Aquatics, the Greater Boise Aquatics Foundation, and the Greater Boise Auditorium District, opened last July. 
It was designed to be a premier destination for swim meets, lessons, water polo, and lap swimming. Initially estimated at $10 million, the project's costs ballooned to $19.2 million due to COVID-19 and rising expenses, with GBAD contributing $9.6 million, nearly all of its annual hotel tax revenue. Despite the financial hurdles and a delayed opening, the center has already hosted major events. It aims to boost the local economy by attracting thousands of hotel room nights each year. However, fundraising challenges have been a significant hurdle, with most donors more interested in operational support than construction costs. This has led to concerns about the project's financial sustainability and the ability of Idaho Competitive Aquatics to cover its end of the deal. Yet, the Aquatic Center has become a popular venue since its opening, with thousands of visitors, hundreds of families signing up for swim lessons, and a variety of aquatic programs in full swing. The project's mission extends beyond sports, aiming to promote water safety and provide accessible swim lessons to the community, including financial assistance for those in need. Despite the rocky start and financial concerns, the Idaho Central Aquatic Center looks to be a cherished Treasure Valley venue, provided it can navigate the financial currents ahead. And then moving from water into frozen water, Bogus Basin announces limited annual passes for 2024 and 2025 season. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. Bogus Basin, Boise's beloved local ski resort, is gearing up for the winter season of 2024 and 2025 with its highly anticipated annual pass sale set to take place from February 23rd to March 3rd. This year, the resort is offering a diverse range of nine pass options, catering to both hardcore skiers and board enthusiasts, with premium options like the True Bogus and Beyond Bogus Passes, and those seeking more casual experiences with the Night Season, Midweek Season, and Holiday 3 Pete Flex Pass. Now, Bogus Basin has announced a reduction of the number of passes for sale. This decision aims to keep the lift lines under the desirable 10-minute mark, ensuring a smoother and more enjoyable experience on the slopes. According to a recent news release, the resort has successfully reduced the number of season pass holders with access during peak times by over 22% since introducing the capacity limitations. As the sale date approaches, eager skiers and boarders are encouraged to act quickly to secure their passes and look forward to another season at Bogus Basin. And if you want to make sure your friends don't miss out on that news about Bogus Basin, don't hesitate to share it. Your shares help us spread the word about our beautiful state. Now moving from the slopes to the sunny areas yet again, Bannock County Commissioners reject large-scale solar and wind projects. This comes by the East Idaho News by Logan Ramsey. In a recent decision, Bannock County Commissioners have voted against the development of a large solar and wind projects within the county. This move reflects the commissioner's stance on the impact of such projects on the landscape, local wildlife, and overall character of the community. This vote comes at a time when there is a national push towards cleaner energy sources to combat climate change. Proponents of renewable energy argue that a large-scale solar and wind project are crucial for reducing carbon emissions and transitioning away from fossil fuels. Granted, local opposition has centered on the lack of reliability, visual impact, potential decrease on property values, and the disruption of natural habitats. The commissioner's decision underscores the challenges faced by renewable energy projects at a local level, where the benefits of clean energy must be weighed against the concerns and needs of the community. It also highlights the need for ongoing dialogue between renewable energy developers, local governments, and residents to find beneficial, effective, and efficient solutions. 
As Bannock County moves forward, the debate over how to best integrate renewable energy into the region's landscape continues. The decision not to pursue large-scale solar and wind projects may prompt a reevaluation of how the community can contribute to environmentally sustainable goals while preserving the local character and addressing residents' concerns. Speaking of high-tech modern things, high-tech bird control, Idaho Power implements lasers at facilities. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. Idaho Power is taking a high-tech approach to an age-old problem at their power stations. The utility company has turned to laser technology as a humane and innovative method to deter pigeons from nesting and roosting on their facilities. This move is part of Idaho Power's ongoing efforts to maintain the integrity of their power stations and ensure uninterrupted service to their consumers. The use of lasers is a non-lethal solution that discourages pigeons from settling on areas where they can cause damage or disrupt operations. The birds perceive a laser as a physical threat, prompting them to flee the area without harm. This method is not only effective, but also aligns with Idaho Power's commitment to environmentally responsible practices. Idaho Power's adoption of laser technology for bird deterrence is a clear example of how modern solutions can be applied to traditional problems, demonstrating the utility's dedication to both service excellence and environmental stewardship. As this technology takes flight, it could mark a new era of how power companies manage the delicate balance between industry and nature. Also keeping with the topic of power, Idaho Falls invests in energy future with a new $36 million power plant. This comes by the East Idaho News by staff. Idaho Falls is set to energize its future with a substantial $36 million investment in a new power generation plant. Idaho Falls Power, the city's community-owned electricity provider, is spearheading this initiative to meet the growing energy demands as its burgeoning population and commercial sector. The Idaho Falls City Council, doubling on the utility's governing board, has given the green light to ESI Construction, an Idaho-based company, to build a 17.5-megawatt peak plant designed to deliver on-demand energy during peak usage times in the summer and winter. The strategic move comes as Idaho Falls powers five existing hydroelectric facilities on the Snake River, currently producing only about a third of the city's energy needs. The new peak plant is in response to the city's significant growth since the last hydroelectric facility was constructed in the late 1980s. Mayor Rebecca Casper highlighted the city's commitment in investing in the community infrastructure, ensuring that residents continue to enjoy electricity rates well below the national average. The chosen location for the new plant near the intersection of East Iona Road and North Yellowstone Highway are selected for its industrial zoning, access to the rail service, natural gas, and proximity to the utilities transmission and distribution system. Construction is anticipated to begin this summer, with the plan expected to be operational by December of 2025. This development promises to bolster the city's energy independence and maintain its reputation for providing reliable and affordable power. Idaho Falls residents can look forward to the benefit of this investment, which aligns with the city's long-term vision for energy security. But the new power plant not only represents a commitment to meeting current energy needs, but also positions Idaho Falls as a forward-thinking city prepared for future growth. And if you don't want to miss out on knowing about all this different news about power plants and stuff, make sure to subscribe and follow us so you don't miss any of our future content. Continuing to talk about Idaho politics, we have Idaho House votes on harsher penalties for crimes against children. This comes from KTVB7 by Laura Guido. The Idaho House of Representatives has taken a firm stance on crimes against children, 
by voting in favor of several bills, specifically House Bill 515, which allows for the death penalty to be considered in certain cases of lewd conduct with minors under 12, provided the crime is deemed especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel, manifesting exceptional depravity. This move, co-sponsored by Representative Bruce Skog from Nampa, challenges a 2008 U.S. Supreme Court ruling that deemed the death penalty unconstitutional in child rape cases where the victim did not die. Skog believes that with changes in the Supreme Court's composition, there's a chance to overturn this decision. During the legislative session, the bill sparked debate amongst representatives. Some, like Representative Stephanie Mickelson from Idaho Falls, suggested waiting to see the outcome of similar laws in other states before proceeding with potential legal challenges. In contrast, Representative Chris Mathias from Boise argued that life in prison would be a more fitting punishment for such offenders, sparing taxpayers the cost of the death penalty. House Bill 515 has now passed the House with a vote of 57 to 11. These legislative actions reflect Idaho's commitment to adapting its legal framework to protect children from abuse and exploitation. Now going back to the local half and out of the drama and craziness, which is the House in Idaho, CUNA superintendent steps down, interim leader appointed. This comes from the East Idaho News by staff. In a significant development within the CUNA school district, the superintendent has tendered their resignation, prompting the appointment of an interim superintendent to take the helm. This leadership transition, effective from Monday, February 19th, marks a moment for the district as it navigates through the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. The Boise School District has confirmed this change, underscoring the importance of maintaining stability and continuing in leadership during this period of transition. The reasons behind the superintendent's resignation have not been disclosed, leaving the room for speculation and discussion among community members and stakeholders. However, the focus remains on ensuring that the district's operations continue smoothly and the educational needs of the students are met without disruption. This change comes at a time when the educational sector is facing unprecedented challenges. The CUNA school district, like many others, is at a crossroads, making the role of its leadership more critical than ever. The interim superintendent's immediate priorities will include addressing these challenges head-on while laying the groundwork for recruiting a permanent superintendent. As the CUNA school district embarks on this new chapter, the community watches closely. Hopefully, this leadership transition will usher in a period of prosperity, change, and growth. The coming months will be critical in determining the direction the district takes, making the role of the interim superintendent pivotal in shaping the future of public education in CUNA. And moving on to our last story of the day, we have Farewell Boutros, honoring the memory of Idaho Falls Zoo's gentle giant. This comes from the East Idaho News by Mary Boyle. In a touching announcement from the Idaho Falls Zoo, the community bids farewell to one of its most cherished residents. Boutros, the Aldabra tortoise, known for his gentle nature and the joy he brought to visitors, has passed away. A staple of the zoo and a favorite among guests, Boutros's presence was a highlight for many, especially during the behind-the-scenes tours and keeper chats in front of his habitat. Boutros's life was one of simple pleasures. He enjoyed basking in the sun, soaking in his pool, and indulging in his favorite snacks, including willow, hay, lettuce, and the occasional carrot treat. His companion, Omar, 
Another Aldabra tortoise at the zoo continues to thrive, bringing comfort to those who mourn Boutros's passing. At the remarkable age of about 150 years old, Boutros spent his final months under the devoted care of the zoo's staff. Their dedication to his well-being highlights the deep bond between zookeepers and the animals they nurture. This commitment ensures that even in their last days, creatures like Boutros receive the love and attention they deserve. The Idaho Falls Zoo's farewell message to Boutros is a poignant reminder to appreciate the simple things in life. As the community reflects on Boutros's slow and steady journey, his legacy continues to inspire. And on that sentimental note, thank you for listening to the entire report. I sincerely hope you found it enjoyable and valuable. If you like the Midweek Report, make sure to check out the full show where John and I talk about the main stories going on in Idaho and discuss them. Also, if we missed any important points or provided incorrect information, please feel free to reach out to us via email at localyokelidaho2022 at gmail.com or on Twitter by tweeting us at localyokelidaho. With the small team we have, we're not able to cover everything, but we do our best to cover the most interesting and important stories. Thank you for your continued support and assistance. That's all for now, and I wish you a fantastic rest of your week. Godspeed.